0: Hello and welcome to our 2021 Salt and Light Hour Christmas Special. I'm Deacon Pedro. Merry Christmas! It's not every year that our Christmas special actually airs during the Christmas season. So Merry Christmas! I hope your Christmas day so far is full of many blessings. Today, as we do every year, we're joined by our contributors. Danny has a good tip for getting us away from being consumers and closer to being priests. Jillian learned an Advent lesson from her kids. Billy has a question about something all Catholics should be doing. Sister Marie Paul has suggestions about how to watch Christmas movies. And Mark, Mark went on a Christmas pilgrimage. So lots happening in today's show. And as we always do, we're playing some Christmas music. This year, we're going around the world with carols from different countries, all arranged by liturgical composer Chris De Silva. And so, we're going to be speaking with Chris De Silva today about his work and his music. So, I hope you can sit back, enjoy the day, and spend the next hour with us. Let's start with a song. Here's Shepherds on to Bethlehem, a traditional Polish carol arranged by Chris De Silva, from his Christmas album, Mysterium. That was Shepherds Onto Bethlehem, a traditional Polish carol from Chris Silva's Christmas album, Mysterium, published by GIA Music. And we're going to be speaking with Chris Silva at the end of the program. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is a special Christmas edition of the Salt and Light Hour. You can learn more about Salt and Light Media at slmedia.org. And now it's time for... Consumers to Priests with Danny Torkey. Danny, Merry Christmas. Welcome. Merry Christmas, Deacon. So nice to be with you. So what, what are we going to learn today about the the, the Christmas consumption?
1: Well, we're, we're still on our journey to move from consumers to priests uh, of the baptized, the priesthood of the baptized. And, you know, we're in the Christmas season. You know, Christmas is just starting for us. We've just finished the uh, super important season of Advent. And I think it's important to, to as we start the new year soon, to look at the difference between religious observances that relate to the sacred, to the core of our belief in everlasting life, okay. and what are commercial observances. For example, there is a very important movement of Christmas as a commercial observance, which starts in Lowe's and Home Depot, uh, yeah. you know, early in October, yeah. it's all about uh, you know these these uh, very secular uh, images which have a goal of consumption versus the, the preparing a way for the Lord of Christmas and then entering into the, the, the incarnation. So we got to make a choice here. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's really hard to play both sides of the, you know, of, the, of this equation here. And, and so, you know, my, my warning to fellow parents and, and, and caretakers of kids and grandparents is, you know, are we suckered and sucked into the movement of these commercial observances, which is Culturally, extremely powerful. Mm-hmm.
0: So, what you're saying to ignore it, to to fight against it, or 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 to make sure that the religious is there, right?
1: The religious must be paramount. Uh, sure, we can enjoy bunnies, chocolates, heck, buy some flowers because that's God's creation and all that. But 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 we've got to save time, defend our time and our energies on the sacred, the transcendental which is the most important to the well-being of our kids, right? Because if we just give them everything the world is proposing for Christmas, for Valentine's, right. then the next day is going to be Toronto or, or International Spa Day and then National Pizza Month and then this and that. You know, all these days, which really a Christian, mm-hmm. a disciple needs to be always loving, always transcendental, always into the, the the goodness that the world will propose, but they're really trying to make you a consumer.
0: Right. Right. So, so, so not to necessarily try to fight against the Christmas trees and the Santa Clauses, but make sure that there's a nativity scene and that you have the advent wreath and that you're creating little sacred moments around the real meaning. Absolutely. And, and,
1: and just, I'm just
0: saying that mass, you I guess. Yeah. go to Matt. Well, you'll, and to, to, to fight the
1: movement and the trends, we need to up our game. So not just a little, we've got to do it a lot.
0: Yeah, exactly. But maybe emphasize that. Okay. That's yeah. good advice. Um, I wanted to uh, not let you go yeah. before I ask you for because you. I, I hear, I heard through the grapevine that you have five, five New Year's resolutions. I in do this, in the spirit of moving from consumers to priests.
1: Absolutely, which is critical. So, so in addition to dieting and working out, walking. Here's my top five resolutions with the religious aspect of our family. Number okay. one, more quality time buying good books or finding good books on faith for my young, you know, tweens or adolescent kids. Like that. and, and, and that's super important. We did it in the past, but we got to up it. That's number one. Number two, more time in meditation as a Ooh. stepping stone for adoration. So, so my, my wife's not huge on candles and incense and dark and light and, and, and like icons, them. but I am. And I notice my kids like it. Some of my kids love it. So we're going to take five minutes, you know, every couple of days. And it's funny how I do it. They join me. Wow. That's two, meditation. Three is more confession, going to the sacrament of confession. So, it, it, you know, I think as a family, we've been going once every three to four months. I'm being open here, yep. letting you in into my laundry, uh, private life. Yeah. But I'm going to try to go once a month. Wow, And, and I, you have to know that I, I spent 17 years without going to confession, not mm-hmm. even once. So, so mm-hmm. I, I need to stick to it. If I don't model it for my kids, no one else will. Number
0: Absolutely. F-
1: number four, diarizing volunteer gigs. Like making sure I put it in my calendar that my, myself and the kids will go and rake the leaves of the elderly lady across the street. Wow. Or we'll make some some uh, meals for a food bank or go mm-hmm. help at the food bank. Yeah. And the last one is all about me because I am, uh, you know, I got to be an instrument of peace. I got to be more peaceful and quiet more serene more like a, maybe a, a trappist monk perhaps or a silence retreat like danny mm-hmm. talks too much yes so i need to chill with my kids and um i was joking with a monk who lives nearby me i said if i'm going to ever have another kid if ever i know anyone who's having a kid i think they should spend the two, first two weeks of their life at a monastery wonderful <laughs> idea <laughs> you know a little bit more quiet than my household
0: that's great you know what i like about these resolutions Because when you, when you started, you know, uh, a month or so ago and you, you gave us this idea about, you know, moving from consumers to priests, I think that that might've sounded like, oh my gosh, I don't know what it's like to be a priest. I can kind of understand what it likes to consume less, but with these resolutions, you've made it really tangible. Like we're not talking about anything that, that probably people are already doing, finding more time for quiet, finding more time, volunteering going to the sacraments more, especially reconciliation. Yeah. Um, you, you know, like maybe a lot of our listeners are doing those things already. They just haven't realized that that means that you're entering more to, into the priesthood side and, and, and leaving the consumerism behind a little bit. So, so I hope that that kind of gives people a bit of a sigh of relief as they, yes. and not be overwhelmed with this new consumers to priest, uh, Campaign that Mr. Danny Torquía is bringing us on.
1: Well, we have to believe that si se puede. Yes, we can, and we have to believe that you know it's committed to writing. Put it up on a on a fridge or on a extruder, and let's shoot. You know, try, and if we're not going to be perfect, but we can certainly have progress.
0: It is, and and if you have small kids like you do. Then that's great because it's something to do with the kids. You're looking for activities anyway, so why not? Why not just bring them? And and they're little; they're not going to say no. They right. just want to spend time with you anyway. Danny, thank you so much. Great, uh, great idea. Great advice. Uh, Merry Christmas to you and the family. And uh, thank you. I'll, I'll join you with those resolutions.
1: Sounds good. And and all the best to you and the listeners.
0: Danny Torquia is the Managing Director of Torquia Communications. You can follow him on Twitter at dan Torquia and read his blog at DialogueAndGrace.com. Coming up is Jillian with a lesson she learned from her kids. So stay tuned.
2: Hi, I'm Mark Matthews, your Hollywood undercover missionary, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro.
0: This is our Christmas edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. You can listen to all our programs at SLMedia.org slash podcast. And now it's time for What I Learned from My Kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, Merry Christmas. Welcome back. Merry
3: Christmas to you. Woohoo! Celebrate the season. Woo!
0: Celebrate the season. So have you learned anything from your kids uh, during Advent this year or about I Christmas? I know it's
3: Christmas, but I'm going to take you back to Advent so we can learn a, an Advent lesson before we can fully enter into the Christmas season. Um, so I guess the thing that we're learning is that waiting is hard. And how Leo and I experienced this lesson uh, was at the grocery store. I do have a habit. I mean, I think everybody says this, that they always pick the wrong checkout line. They're, they're always picking the slowest one. I will join that group of people that says, yes, I always pick the slowest checkout line. So this particular grocery shopping trip, Leo and I uh, pull our card up to this particular checkout. We politely wait for our groceries to be socially distanced from the person in front of us. um, And then I start unloading them onto the belt. And after I did that, I'm very pleased with myself for my work. I look up and realize, oh, my, the man in front of us has about 800 coupons and well, the cashier is new to this job and is not familiar with how all the coupons work or the process of which how she has to enter into enter them into the into the cash. So it is taking forever to do this process. Um, so Leo and I are occupying ourselves by texting David to say we are in the longest line. It is taking forever. This man has a gazillion coupons. And while this is happening, the woman is becoming more more flustered that she can't get the coupons to work and she eventually has to call a supervisor in so the supervisor comes and she's looking at the transaction that's taking place and she says oh this is all happening in the incorrect way we're going to have to cancel this transaction and start all over again so i look up to see all of his groceries now piling up onto my neatly piled groceries and this whole thing starting again with eight bazillion coupons we are standing in that line no word of a lie because i have Proof from the texts that I sent to David for over half an hour. Over oh half an hour. Oh my
0: gosh. Me.
3: And the whole time I'm thinking, this is making me angry. I'm starting to feel entitled. Like, you know how you see that somebody got treated in a certain way, like social media tells these stories all the time. But then this happened, and they were re- 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 they were rewarded in this way. And I was just getting more and more frustrated and angry, and it was eating away at myself. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Nobody has even apologized to me. So I was standing there essentially being a big brat. And I look at Leo and I realize he's fine. He's totally fine. I mean, he doesn't have the capacity to wish ill will on this person in front of us with the 800 coupons. He doesn't want to kick him in the knees. (laughs) He's just being a three-year-old waiting with his mom he's just standing there with his mama i mean he might have laid down on the floor at one point and i think he was licking some things at another point but he wasn't whining he wasn't throwing a fit that was all me that was me experiencing that angst inside and for what so when i as i witnessed leo just being in the present moment with his mama i realized oh what what does it say about me <laughs> who do i think i am i'm being such a spoiled baby right now what does God want of me in this moment when the waiting is hard? What does God want of me in this moment? And sometimes I think we will have a, a more um, action motivated answer. This time, all I got was, I just want you to wait. That's all you need to do. That's all you can do. Just be there with your son and you're just waiting. Wow. Which is a frustrating answer, especially when you just want to go home. <laughs> but it also enabled me to... Just let it go. Just let it go. And appreciate that that woman was new to her job. Appreciate that that man was trying to save some money for who knows what, but that's just what he needed to do at that time and place. And maybe if it was a different person that was standing behind them, they would have gotten angry. They would have been visibly and audibly impatient and hurt feelings or whatever, but that Leo and I could just stand there and wait and be patient. That's what God wanted of us in that moment. Now, as it comes to in terms of Advent, I'm not particularly good at waiting or being in the moment. I'm very good at to-do lists and keeping busy and making sure all the things are getting done, but I'm not particularly good at sitting, taking time to pray, reading my Bible, waiting, waiting on the Lord. I'm very good at being busy, but I'm not good at waiting. So that grocery store moment wasn't my entire Advent. I did improve, I think a little bit, but it was really the start of my Advent. It was the start of my waiting. It was the start of me letting go of some of that busyness and just allowing myself, like Leo was, to be present. Um, him with his mama, me in the grocery store, but we, me with my papa, my father in heaven, as we wait um, for the joyful arrival of his son to come. So waiting is hard, but it's necessary.
0: It is. It is. And that's the gift of Advent that we get to wait. And, and if I can add something, and I know you you implied this, that the waiting allows us to stop focusing on ourselves and start thinking about those other people. So you start thinking yes, about that man sure. with the coupons and you start thinking about yeah. that young cashier. Um, and uh, that cannot be a bad thing when we start no, stop thinking about not. ourselves. Jillian, yeah. thank you so much. Thank you and Leo for that uh, beautiful Advent and Christmas. It's a Christmas lesson.
3: Okay, we'll take it. Thank you so much, Peter.
0: Merry Christmas to you and the whole family. Merry
3: Christmas, Juniors.
0: Jillian Cantor is the wife of David, the mother of Joseph Henry, Annie, Clara, Jane, and Leo. Coming up is Billy Chan with a question about something Catholics should be doing. So stay tuned.
4: I'm Sister Marie Paul Curley of the Daughters of St. Paul, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Peter.
0: You're listening to the Salt and Light Hour 2021 Christmas Special. I'm Deacon Pedro. You can email me, Pedro at slmedia.org. And now it's time for Church for Dummies with Billy Chan. Billy, we've we've been missing your voice.
5: I miss you. I miss everyone. You know, I miss uh, I miss your laugh, your your face. It's always good to see you.
0: It is good to see you. And and. Uh, and part of what you want to ask has to do with seeing people, right?
5: Exactly. Exactly. The question is this: um, the you know the, everything seems like to be opened. You know, you, you know, I'm uh, slowly, yeah, they slowly opening Christmas gathering. People are thinking about that right now already. But the thing is this: uh, how about fellowship? You know, uh, for our Protestant uh, brothers and sisters, they. They are really good at fellowship. They, you know, they are so um, uh, bonded, so good. So, for Catholic, oh, do we have any like standard way to do fellowship?
0: Yeah, no, we don't. Um, <laughs> that that's a good question because because I think that that you're right. That for Catholics, we think that the only thing we can do is mass. Yeah, it's like if you can't do mass, then then we don't do anything whereas in our catholic tradition we have other things like morning prayer, evening prayer that a lot of people don't have experience with or a liturgy of the word as a deacon i can lead a liturgy of the word i know we don't need a priest um and that's that's also something that we can do as catholics and of course we can do praise and worship and and, and adoration and and those things and those are our structured uh liturgies but but my question to you before i answer yeah is what do you mean by fellowship because i think that do you mean like just a group of people coming together for a spiritual purpose?
5: Yeah. So a group of people coming together. Uh, uh, I actually joined some of the, the you know, in, in different Christians uh, fellowship, they have all kinds of uh, uh, activities like uh, faith sharing, Bible studies. Okay. Uh, okay. Yes. Okay. I understand. Uh, so uh, song singing. You know, yeah,
0: I understand, but those are different. So as Cath, I mean, there's no, there's nothing that says that you can only do certain things or you can't do other things. Okay. Of course, as Catholics, we can do Bible study. Yeah. If you have a group of people and they want to go deeper into scripture, you can. Um, and there are lots of guides. If you can, if you don't have someone that can lead it, that, that knows a lot of scripture, you can uh, you can find lots of online uh, or, or, or study Bibles or Bible programs that help you uh, uh, do Bible study. Um uh, or that's you also can do.
5: Question. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, you that's can do.
0: Also, le, sorry, I was going to say, or you can do Lexio Divina, which is another way of doing uh, Bible study with within the Catholic tradition. What were you going? to say? There's also the
5: question about you know uh, people who lead. Um, do we need to find somebody to to you See, know, qualify I, to lead?
0: I'm going to say that it's good to have some. It depends what the purpose of the group is. If it, I think that if 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 people want to, let's say you want to start a young adult group, yes. And I think that whatever you do should involve prayer. So you should always open with prayer. If people if people like singing or someone can play guitar, it's good to start with a song. Do a little prayer. You don't need to be a scripture scholar or a theologian to, to lead with prayer. Sometimes you can take turns and a, a different person can, can do the opening prayer. Um, you could start with reading a little Bible verse and maybe we meditate on that. Um, and then maybe there's a topic today. We're going to talk about theology of the body, or we're going to talk about something. And maybe if you have someone that can prepare that topic that you can take turns as well. I, I don't, I think that if you can find someone who is uh, prepared to lead um, is good, but I don't want people to feel that they can't do anything if they can't find a priest or a yeah. deacon or a, you know, a theologian or someone to, to lead them. Um but I think that the pastor, if it's in the context of a parish, talk to your pastor or your deacon to see maybe they don't have to be part of the group and be there every week or every month, but they can maybe be a bit of a spiritual guide to at least guide you in terms of where you're going. Um, so
5: according to you, is it important to have a gathering like this?
0: I, th- I think you're right. The idea of fellowship for Catholics it's kind of not like our idea fellowship is, you know, you go downstairs to the basement for coffee after mass. Um, mm. Right. Because we already had mass. Yeah. exactly. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think it's important for us to do more than just mass. Yeah. Whether you're involved in a program like alpha or you're helping with the RCIA or you're doing, or you're in a Bible study group, you're doing something. I think it's important to do something more than mass and whether that is more social um, or more spiritual or more study, I, I don't think it matters as long as whatever you do is rooted in Christ and that you include prayer in, in, in whatever you
5: do. So do we need basically to, let's say if I want to start a group, like a young adult group, uh, and do we actually need to uh, register in a parish or talk to somebody, tell them first, and then do it. Is there any process?
0: Um, uh, I would, if you well. if you want to start any group in the parish, you have to tell your pastor. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that your pastor will support whatever you want to do. Um, but you don't have to do it in your parish. You can just have a group of mm. friends and get together. And, you know, I have, I have Mark Matthews that's on this show, has a men's group. And they just, just a bunch of guys that get together once a month. And they just talk about issues that concern men and, and, and they do it in a prayerful way. So it, it really can be anything.
5: That's amazing. That's amazing. So basically we should do it and we do not really need uh, somebody qualified, but you know, if we have one, that would be great. Is it?
0: Absolutely. I think so. And, uh, and if people have more questions, they can ask Billy to be their spiritual leader.
5: (laughs) Thank you. I hope we all can get uh, physically active very soon.
0: Yes, me too. Thank you, Billy. Have a Merry Christmas.
5: Have a Merry Christmas.
0: Billy Chan always asking good questions. You can follow him and ask him questions at bjochan. Here now is a traditional Swedish carol, Yule Yule, written by Gustav Nordqvist, arranged by Krista Silva from his album Mysterium. listening to yule yule from chris De silva's album mysterium on this 2021 christmas edition of the salt and light hour i'm deacon pedro coming up in our second half hour windows to the soul what's good in hollywood and my featured conversation with chris De silva and of course more music so stay tuned welcome to the salt and light hour christmas edition part two i'm deacon pedro you can follow me and salt and light media on instagram we're also on facebook and twitter and you can subscribe to this program anywhere you get your podcasts and now it's time for windows to the soul with sister marie paul curly sister merry christmas
4: oh merry christmas to you deacon pedro and to everybody who's listening you're all in my prayers for a very, very blessed Thank and you. joyful holiday.
0: It's good to be together.
4: And holy day. Yes, it is. I have um, an interesting question that came up for me. Uh, and and it's, been, it's been, I've been something I've been thinking about ever since I was a kid, really. Are Christmas movies worth watching? Or I guess maybe a better question is, why do some of us, maybe not all of us, love watching sentimental Christmas movies uh, when they don't really talk about Christmas? And how can we, is it okay um, as a believer to watch a Christmas movie when they don't keep the Christ in Christmas? And how can we keep Christ in Christmas when we've got this cultural, secular approach? So the reason this question came up right now is because over the The USA Thanksgiving weekend, I was looking for a 2021 new Christmas film to watch that I thought would be relatively well that I could wholeheartedly recommend for this program for, you know, and I couldn't find one. I couldn't find a 2021 Christmas film, even though I've been reading some articles and they say there were 146 Christmas movies produced this year. And I'm like, out of all of them, well, maybe there's something out there that I haven't seen. But uh, if we're looking for, um, you know, Christmas, like in the overall cultural approach, yeah, that's very difficult. So what can we do about that? Well, we can look at Uh, the values that are Christian in the Christmas films that are there and use those to reinforce our faith and to recognize that at least the secular culture is recognizing some of that, you know? So I think the typical Christmas movie, you know, whether it's uh, you know, home alone, which I saw for the first time, I think last year, (laughs) I'd never seen it before Um, or elf or, you know, the Noel on Disney plus right now Um, look for, look for the values of kindness, you know, love you know and although many um you know uh christmas movies uh especially the tv ones put romantic love there uh we're talking about love as a self-giving love or a a deepening love and that's that is evident in a lot of, of of these films um even though they're sentimental even though they're not the production values are not usually very high uh the the focus on family you know, that can always remind us of the Holy family and remind us of the love that we want to bring into them. Uh, the idea of gifts as a giving of self uh, and the, the welcoming of strangers, the valuing of traditions that build a sense of belonging and community and and unity as being part of the human family. Uh, so. One of the so I did watch Noel, uh, which is a 2019 film on Disney Plus. I think it's 20. Anyway, it stars Anna Kendrick. I okay. may have gotten the year wrong, but it stars Anna Kendrick, and basically the story, this is kind of a typical secular Christmas film, but it does have a little heart to it. Uh, it's it's about the legacy of the Kringle family, which has passed down the role of Santa Claus for two thousand years. Of course, they're ignoring the true Saint Nicholas. Yes, uh, but but okay, we're gonna we'll give them that. Uh, this year, Santa has passed away. The role falls to his son, who's named, of course, Nick, to carry out this role of Santa Claus. And he's so overwhelmed, he actually runs away. But he has a sister named Noel, who loves everything. About Christmas and about what her father has done, and is supposed to inspire the Christmas spirit in her brother and at the North Pole. So, unfortunately, she's been raised, though, with pretty much no responsibility. So, she's quite spoiled and actually starts off the film by saying that Christmas is about what you get, the mm. presents that you receive. But, you know, she goes off to look for Nick, and in that process, she discovers she has some of these magical Santa Claus abilities, which are. To look deeply into a person and see the goodness in them mm-hmm. uh to discover that giving is more important than receiving you know and and i also like the fact that in this movie this isn't really a spoiler that romance isn't really a factor it's really right. just about self-giving and love to another so you know this is not a great christmas movie but it's fun and you might enjoy it and if you can unpack some of those values you know, and share those as a family or even just with yourself in a little moment of reflection. Uh, That would make a Christmas holiday film worthwhile. But if you want something really great, you've got to go with Deacon Pedro's first choice.
0: I was going to (laughs) say, go with the classic. I mean, even a film like It's a Wonderful Life, it's really not about the Christmas story at all, but the values are there. I mean, the fact that there's an angel doesn't mean that it's Right, but the but it's the same thing. Valleys of family and and giving and self giving. I mean, that's
4: and the gift of life. How precious life, every yes. life is.
0: Exactly, and
4: and that uh, I also okay. really love the Nativity story, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yes, and Star. Oh. Those are all great choices that really do talk about the message of Christmas.
0: Yes. Okay. And, Good. Good suggestions there, but also good suggestions as to what to look for if you end up watching a film. I mean, it might not even be a Christmas film, but there's lots of films that have those values that are very much ingrained in our culture, and 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 that I think uh, that's how God, I think, the Holy Spirit kind of seeps in there, even if we're not uh, looking for the Holy Spirit or expecting it. Thank you, sister. Good advice.
4: Okay. It's wonderful to celebrate such a beautiful, beautiful mystery of our faith. So, uh, best wishes, and um, you're in our prayers.
0: Yes, Merry Christmas.
4: Blessed Christmas.
0: Sister Marie Paul is with the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul, and you can read her blog at windows to the soul.wordpress.com and follow her on Twitter at Sister M Paul. Coming up is Mark Matthews with a Christmas pilgrimage. So, stay tuned.
3: Hi, I'm Julian Cantor, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon
0: Pedro. You're listening to our Salt and Light Hour Christmas special. I'm Deacon Pedro, and coming up, our featured artist of the week, Chris De Silva, so stay tuned. And now it's time for What's Good in Hollywood with our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews who is presently undercover in Queens, Queens. which yes. is not anywhere near Hollywood.
2: No, and, and that's actually the theme of my topic today, is that I have left Hollywood, not permanently, but I have pilgrimaged out of Hollywood right now.
0: Okay, that's, that's a, I guess that's a true mark of a, 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 of a true missionary, that, that you go where you are sent.
2: That, that that's true. And so what I actually did is I did a road pilgrimage to St. Joseph's oratory in Montreal to end the year of St. Joseph. Right. And uh, you know, long story short, I had prayed a lot about this and kind of felt like I wanted to do kind of like a road trip. And then someone suggested, Hey, why not St. Joseph's oratory? And that idea really stuck with me. And I said, well, Hey, why not turn it into kind of like a pilgrimage? And so it was four Roughly 10 hour days of driving for me. Um, and I slept at trucker stops along the way. Really? In yeah, the car at Trucker Stops. In, in the car. I've got an SUV. You know, lots of people, you know, are pull over there, everything. So I'm, I'm okay. I didn't yeah. get mugged or anything like that. No, that's good.
0: no actually, truck stops are pretty safe, actually, probably. Yeah,
2: yeah they are. Um, I have friends at Madonna House, Missouri, who hosted yeah. me as well there along the way. Um, I even did, like, a carpentry project while I was there. So that was kind of, like, very much in line with the St. Joseph kind yeah. of theme of, of my my journey. Um and then it was, it, honestly, it was kind of a really beautiful thing to be able to get to the oratory after this big, long journey and just mm-hmm. spend some time in prayer there. And and it's it, to me, it felt like a bit of a real contrast between like, well, sleeping in my car versus this big, glorious shrine that feels like it's, you know, built for giants, 10 times our size. Kind of yeah. like it's the world's largest shrine to, to St. Joseph's oratory. So, yeah. And, and so I was kind of asking, I'm like, okay, well, what? You know what makes a pilgrimage a pilgrimage? You know what what can I tell her how can I encourage our listeners today? Hey, should you do your own should you do the exact same pilgrimage as me? I want I want all my listeners sleeping in their car <laughs> at trucker stops. Well, yeah. Asceticism, uh, yeah. yes. It, it, well, and, and that that is kind of one of so that's one of the things that I took away. One is, you know, Christ is get uncomfortable a little bit. You know, Christ never said, you know, make yourself comfortable while on earth. And, and I kind of think that when we make ourselves too comfortable, we tend to think we can rely on ourselves too much. So, so I do think there is something to that actually a little bit of not not necessarily, you know, being in comfort all the time. So, Um, You know, the next thing is that it's, it's not tourism. Uh, The goal is very different, is that you, you do a pilgrimage to get closer to God. Right. And that might manifest itself as physical travel. um, But the goal is greater closeness to God. Mm -hmm. And, 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 you know, being physical beings, we kind of need those outward signs sometimes. And that's kind of like a very sacramental, very Catholic kind of thing. Yeah. so, so offer it up to God. I think that's, I think far and away, that's probably the most important thing besides sleeping at trucker stops and, and getting uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and next, you know, offer, offer your travel to God, you know, pray every day. Um, and and just say, Hey God, what do you want me to know? today? Give yourself some, some quiet and, and some time. Um, the journey is going to be a very important part of your pilgrimage. It's not, you know, it sounds cliche. It's not about the destination. It's yeah, about the journey. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what I thought was really interesting for me is that when I got to Saint Joseph's Oratory, it it felt like heaven almost. It's just this sort of beyond the reality kind of experience. And I thought, oh, I'm like, oh, that's kind of like the my four days of travel were sort of symbolic of my time here on earth you know yeah and you wow. know yeah so you know god god has something to you know teach us and, and it, at least for me it reinforced how short my life is going to be uh-huh. so just just to just to remember that um another thing i did is i, I sort of i quote unquote brought others with me mm-hmm. and what i did is i asked people i said hey do you have any intentions for me that I can offer up at St. Joseph's oratory right. to St. Brother Andre Bissette. Um I don't know if it's like St. Andre Bessette or St. Brother Andre. Yeah, I think, I think all of, Saint, yes. all
0: of the above. Yes.
2: All of the above. I still haven't worked that out. St. Andre. Um, yes. Yeah. St. Andre. But I thought that that's kind of a great thing to do is involve others in your in in your pilgrimage. So, you know, get the community involved. Um, and, And probably the most importantly thing is customize it to your life situation. You know, not everyone can jump in your car, drive across the country, sleep at trucker stops. Um, everyone's situation is going to be different. So find a way to make it work for you. Maybe it's just a day trip or something like that. You know, maybe it's a hike, you know, maybe it's actually a flight somewhere or something like that. So, so pray, but yeah, the key thing is, is, is offer it up to God. So, and, and and so, yeah, and and the Christmas connection here is that, you know, Saint Joseph himself made a very important pilgrimage. Mm. He took others with him. Yeah. He definitely made himself uncomfortable, yeah. and he arguably got closer to God than almost any other anyone else in history did. So, apart from Mary, so true, um, you know, and and I doubt that he really had the full vision or understanding of what he was doing when he was on that pilgrimage but he just basically took the first step and let God lead him. So, so we can use that as a model too, for our pilgrimages.
0: Absolutely. Wow. That's, that's phenomenal. I love that. And I love, it's true that the idea that, I mean, we're all pilgrims on this earth. And yeah. you don't need to go off somewhere far away to go on a pilgrimage. It doesn't even have to be a pilgrimage to a religious site. As you said, you yeah. can just go for a hike as long as you do those. I love that. I, you should write that down as a blog post so that mm. you can get those mm. those those uh, five components to the pilgrimage.
2: Yeah. Great Good. idea.
0: And, and you're in mid pilgrimage right now. So I guess it's going to continue, right?
2: It's true. Yeah. I guess I'm pilgrimaging back home. So I'm doing a lot of visiting along the way. And yeah, here I am in New York City. So visiting friends. So which it's been a real blessing. So,
0: well, continue having a blessed pilgrimage through the Advent season and towards Bethlehem, my friend.
2: Thank you. Yes. May we all be blessed and grow, draw closer to God physically and spiritually.
0: Merry Christmas. God bless. Mark Matthews with what's good in Hollywood and other places. You can follow him at HU Missionary.
1: Hi, I'm Danny Torquia from Media Ministry Minutes, and you're listening to The Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro.
0: I'm Deacon Pedro. This is our 2021 Christmas edition of The Salt and Light Hour. Christa Silva is a composer and arranger with GIA Publications. Chris has ministered as music and liturgy director at several faith communities in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles and currently serves on the campus ministry team at Loyola Marymount University as associate director of music. We've been listening to music from his Christmas album, Mysterium, and so I am so happy to welcome Chris Da Silva to the Salt and Light Hour. Chris Da Silva, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. It's good to meet you.
6: Good to meet you too, Deacon.
0: It's it's, it's not very often that we get to play uh, either choral music um, or instrumental music. We're not playing some of your instrumental music uh, today, but I know that that that's also part of what you do. Um, But before we talk about the music, I wanted to go a little back. So you grew up in Singapore.
6: Yeah, I did. Grew up in Singapore, um, moved here about 30 years ago. Um,
0: And here is Los Angeles.
6: Here here is in Los Angeles, California. I've been, been in Los Angeles um, for about 30 years now, um, in pursuit of music education, more than anything, um, composition, and right. film scoring. So oh,
0: Angeles wow. Film scoring. Yeah. So, okay, we should talk about that. Um, yeah. so, so, and how old were you when you came to California? Mid-20s. Oh, so you were already an adult. So you really grew up in Singapore. Was it, uh, you grew up Catholic in Singapore? I did. I did.
6: I grew up Catholic, Um, Portuguese, Eurasian family. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I know the Silva is not a very, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So is it for people that maybe have no idea about Singapore? is, Is there a large community, a large Catholic community in Singapore?
6: It's actually a small Catholic community. Is it? Yeah. So, uh, but, but, uh, but we do have about, I would say, um, almost uh, 20 churches there now. Okay. Um, yeah. And so I grew up in the parish of the Holy Family. Okay. And um, was involved in youth group and youth activity there. Okay. Um, and then when I came here, I decided to get involved in, uh, in some form of liturgical music here.
0: Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I want to ask you about that. So yeah. obviously, obviously, you were interested in music, uh, did, uh, pursuing music as a, as a career. Mm-hmm. um where did the the liturgical part of it start were you involved in choir growing up as well and
6: uh, I was briefly, we um, had a youth group that, that turned it had a youth choir as well. Yeah. Um, We'd sing at the uh, the Vigil Mass and then when I came here, I was actually involved mostly in study and then just pre- pretty much attended mass, uh, not being involved, but when when a friend of mine, a colleague who had actually gone home uh, was deciding to go back to Germany, uh, decided to, uh, uh, who was also accompanying a choir. Um, that's how I got involved. He said, hey, would you like to step in and take, take charge of that and so okay. I did that. And basically, uh, you know, uh, got involved in liturgical music that way, uh, played for the uh, World Youth Day way back when in the 90s. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, in yeah. 1993? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Right there. Yeah. In oh,
0: I'm the World Youth Day uh, king here. So <laughs> in 1993, Denver, you you got to play.
6: Got to play, yeah, with with a uh, coro de los Angeles. So at that point, the uh, Los Angeles archdiocese formed a choir,
0: wonderful,
6: uh, to, to accompany the uh, the bilingual ma- masses over there. I had no yeah. no, no um, uh, I, I couldn't speak Spanish or anything. No. So that was a great welcome, actually. If we talk about welcoming community,
0: wonderful,
6: uh, and, and uh, I you know, accompanied the, uh, the choir and that's how I got involved in liturgical music. And then, and that with my study of, of composition and, and, and film.
0: Okay. So you were, you were specific when you were studying music, you were specifically studying comp- music composition. Yeah, so so you were already music. composing, you were already composing music, but not liturgical music. That's right.
6: That's correct. Yeah. And, uh, and, 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 you know, and learning to, to write, um, uh, the, these scores, film scores and, um, um, you know how how music can can affect emotion and yeah and, and de- yeah with what that,
0: that, yeah. can i can i ask you about that because i i remember seeing somewhere mm-hmm. that liturgical music it, mm-hmm. it provides a score for the mass do you see any parallels between writing a film score and writing let's say a mass setting
6: Absolutely, because because the music in a film score is always in service of what's happening on screen
0: yes.
7: and
6: how we can capture that emotion or, or uplift Or, you know, uh, so for sure, um, you know, when we look at the ritual action that's happening, for example, the washing of the feet or the adoration of the cross and and how we bring that emotion. um, Oftentimes during the psalm, uh, when we we sing a psalm and and to nuance Mm -hmm. the different verses of a psalm, even that can paint, you know, pictures uh, uh, and uplift scripture and, and, you know, yeah, and, um, and yeah create a, a great and give us a, a full uh, range of, of emotion.
0: Does it work? Um, Do you think it works the other way around? Did did understanding liturgy better make you a better film score composer?
6: I would say it's both. And I, I, yeah. I kind of play on, on, on both of yeah. that. Um, a lot of my, mostly my arrangements tend to be, um, f- you know, so sort of uh, along, along the lines of, of scoring a little a bit more uh, you know the string writing and all of that and, and um so uh, to answer your question yeah i would say both inform me in, mm-hmm. in how i think liturgically on on what what uh, to bring out at a specific scene or a specific time during the mass yeah um,
0: yeah that, that makes that makes sense that that you're right that the music at mass is in service of whatever, so there's very few places where the f- music is the focus. Yeah, um, I'd say maybe the psalm might be it, but in that even there, the word is the focus. The yeah. music is there to support the word. Um, tell me about Mysterium.
6: Yeah, so um, like I said, the this this project on Mysterium, um, I recorded it right before the shutdown. Um, mm. and this so so writing a project like this is, is about two years in the making to three years in the making and 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 and, and making an arrangement and and, and deciding um, you know what to write. But at this point in my sort of compositional career, I had written quite a bit of liturgical music and I haven't really explored um, uh, in in a sense the Christmas season mm. and writing for the Christmas season. So how did I want to represent this particular um, album was to take these songs from all over the world um, in, in a broader look at a community and help communities celebrate Christmas. So, so these kind of things, uh, inspire me to, to, okay. to write um, so for example there, there's a piece from venezuela or there's a piece from from taiwan okay and, and, and so how how can i realize that in, in in this choral setting and that that sort of like uh, inspires my work especially for mysterium um, for the colors collection, um, I I was pretty much, I mean, we were all quarantined and, you know, and it, it had been a series of, I mean, a, just a season of loss, right? And a season yeah. of being away from each other. And so I thought, I'm looking forward uh, into when, when this might, you know, all end. And to, to create these, uh, once again, um, arrangements and sort of like a rearticulation of how traditional carol- carols could be, could be played or, or conceived or thought, uh, imagined. Right. right. Um, so that's yeah. what uh, Colors um, 3 is about.
0: That's wonderful. Um, Chris, thank you so much uh, for joining us today and for sharing uh, a little bit about you and, and your music today with us as we try to go a little deeper in, in, in the, the mystery, the Mysterium of, yeah. of the Christmas season. Uh, yeah, so thank yeah. you for joining us today.
6: My pleasure. Thank you. Merry Christmas.
0: You can learn more about Chris De Silva at giamusic.com. And that's also where you can purchase Mysterium and his other albums. Here now is a traditional Venezuelan folk carol, Singing We Come Singing, arranged by Chris De Silva from his album, Mysterium. listening to Singing We Come Singing from Krista Silva's Christmas album Mysterium published by GIA Music and that will take us to the end of our Christmas special Today I was joined by Billy Chan, Jillian Cantor Mark Matthews, Danny Torquia and Sister Marie Paul Curley The Salt and Light Hour is a ministry of Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation You can learn all about us and all that we do at slmedia.org thank you for being with us today. We hope you have a holy and blessed Christmas season. Be sure to tune in next week for our annual New Catholic Songs of the Year special. I'm Deacon Pedro and this has been our 2021 Salt and Light Hour Christmas special. Merry Christmas.